So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, cats, dogs, kings, queens, priests, pedophiles, altar boys, the former, the latter, all of the above. It is the most inclusive podcast on the face of the planet, still charting in the top 5%, still the most inconsistent podcast ever to be recorded. I'm Chris, and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm Megan, and I'm an alcoholic. Welcome, darling. Welcome. I want to make sure we thank the sponsors. I don't think we we thanked the sponsors last week. I don't think we did either. I fucked that up. I know. It's because we're off our game. It's because like I'm out of practice. I know. We miss a couple and we fall apart. Although, interestingly, I still made you come last night. Pretty out of practice there. True story. Well, what can I say? It's like riding a bicycle. I guess. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I feel like a trike these days. You ride like a trike. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you. Oof. Studio sponsor, yes. Marlene Graphics. MarleneGraphics.com, our studio sponsor for all of your printing needs. MarleneGraphics.com and Realtor and a Baby. Realtor and a Baby, our podcast sponsor. RealtorAndABaby.com for all of your real estate needs. This episode is also brought to you by Grammy Jude's Drugs. Yes, we started that story and never completed it. As we were driving down to Jim and Velia's bed and breakfast, I got the FaceTime from Papa Dick, who was very half in the bag after some sort of expensive dinner out somewhere. And his new love of dirty martinis, thanks to Mimi. Thanks to Mimi, who, by the way, so Mimi knows that I am a bank-robbing, alcoholic, junkie, straight-up derelict. So when Dick and Jude were down at the shore a couple of weeks ago, Mimi has a dirty martini with blue cheese-stuffed olives, which I am uh, just a huge fan of blue cheese and olives in general. Me too. Put them together. Soak them in vodka different planet yeah so anyways Mimi pulls it out of her dirty martini and she's like oh Chris this is so good as the rest of the table is like ready to fucking lose their minds because she wanted him to eat it yeah Mimi's like oh it was only in there for a minute it was probably sitting in a barrel out back for like six months yeah and again like I eat shrimp scampi that doesn't do it for me but I think a martini blue cheese soaked olive Mm. I'd have to have 27 after that what does shrimp scampi have to do with alcoholism there's white wine in it oh like that doesn't bother me no that doesn't make me want to you know dance on the bar and throw the rest of my life away there's a, a whole cabinet upstairs full of you know port wines and marsala wines and white wines and red wines all of them very bottom of the barrel for cooking yes if you decided to go on a bender over the marsala <laughs> that's been in there for 8 months i mean that's i would almost say like that's a freebie i'd be willing to look <laughs> over that i'm not going to lie i'm like if you're that desperate that you're drinking <laughs> fucking marsala wine at 2 in the morning I, I, let's just get you a box of wine and just do it right, honey. We have more things to talk about. Yeah, true story. Uh, so, yeah, so we got the call from Papa Dick. Grammy Jude was very upset that we would insinuate that she drugged Frankie. Because she didn't. I mean, she did, though. 
She did not. First of all, she actually saved Frankie's life. She went diving across the bed like Superman flying through the air. Uh, Superwoman. It's 2022. She can be whoever she wants. Super thing. Okay. Maybe Grammy Jude has a dick. I don't know. Let's just add more controversy into this. <laughs> I don't believe so, though. Bet you Grammy Jude is a huge cock. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't think you're making this better. No, that's the whole point. Okay. It's what I do. So anyway, how the story went down is I was in the shower. Chris was upstairs with Frankie. I was not. And then he left from being upstairs with Frankie. Mm Mm-hmm. And Grammy Jude was with Frankie, and then Papa Dick and Frankie were very cutely playing on the bed together. Grammy Jude went to put her makeup on. Grammy Jude came back as I also entered the room. And Grammy Jude realized Frankie had found her pills and was trying to rifle them in her mouth. Yes. But she literally lassoed them out. So there was no drugging. (laughs) There was a complete drugging. There was not. She saved her. Full on drugging. Definitely wasn't. Well, it, it, your your story is your story. My story is my story. Dude, you know what's scary though? Things like that happen so quickly with toddlers. Yeah. And you always think I'm being ridiculous or over the top. Because you are. I'm actually not though. You are the definition of overbearing. I don't think so. Unclean and overbearing. I'm not overbearing. Unorganized. I like to take care of my children well. I don't think I'm overbearing. I think I let them make their own mistakes. I just don't want them to like touch the hot stove or gouge an eye out with a knife that's unsecured or you know what I mean jump out the screen window on the second floor I don't think that's overbearing I think that's normal safety measures Chris was like well that's all they'll learn yeah no you don't bounce back from that actually didn't Eric Clapton's kid die I think so because he jumped out like a window or something like that by accident it was a it was a serious danger in our house I got those bars to put on it well see here's the here's the opportunity that you're missing out on what's that Eric Clapton wrote a Grammy winning song after that I don't think he gives a fuck. I think he'd take his kid back in a heartbeat. I'm just saying there's opportunity in everything. No, not in that. You don't recover from that. True story. Yeah. I would be absolutely beside myself. I don't know what I would do. I know. And that's why I think, you know, there's there's being overbearing, but there's like safety mechanisms that you put into place. Like that's our job as parents. Yeah, they guns. don't know not to drink the poison underneath the sink. That's why you lock it up. You know what I mean? Hmm. So that's not overbearing. It's just, you know what you are when you act like that? Stupid. I do not disagree. Yes. I will be the first to offer you, uh, I agree 100% on that. Wow. It's a monumental occasion, listeners. I know. Seriously, right? We're making progress. I also, and this definitely sounds like an ignorant thing to say, but a lot of this stuff I just don't know. No, you don't. And I try to tell them, and I try to do it in a way that's not condescending, As most of you know, as all the listeners know, Chris stayed home with Frankie for the first two plus years of life. And as uh, all of you listeners are well aware, aware, Megan is perhaps the most condescending person on the face of the planet. I don't think that's true. In fact, I think I literally... See, just your tone right there. It's like, I'm smarter than you. I went to Villanova. That's not at all. In fact, I think I held my tongue a ton those two years because I wanted to give you confidence in being a father. And I wasn't physically there. Like, how you ran the house on a day-to-day basis, I was just going to have to live and let live. Pretend that it was going the way I would like it to and move on. Was that no joke? Was that hard? Very. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, definitely hard because, you know, you just want everything to be okay. You know what I mean? And like over those two years, again, you did a fantastic job. I say that all the time. Was she as supervised as she should have been? Were there a couple near misses? Yep. And don't get me wrong. I can have a near miss too with them. Like, you know, we've all done stuff. Where Yeah, you're upstairs watching Days of Our Lives last week and all of a sudden the dog and the child are both chasing each other in the backyard. That's not what happened. I went to the bathroom, but it's true. They both got out. Same thing. Anyway, so I, you know, any anything like that can happen as a parent. But I think if you're the parent that's not home, you just have to tell yourself it's okay. It's kind of like with daycare. Like she's finally adjusting, but I just have to tell myself that all day long it's going okay. There's no other way to get through the day. I have a different level of confidence in daycare's abilities than in my own as a parent. So you actually think she's doing better? I 100% know it's the right thing for Frankie, as heartbreaking as it is, every time I walk in that building to pick her up and she sees me, like, rescuing her from the the bad people at the daycare. It's just, like, it's just so hard. But I know, deep down... Over the past two years, for better or worse, I have given that child more or less everything that I could have given her. What I cannot give her is the socialization and the structure that daycare provides. Absolutely. And Frankie's... And it's fucking hard. It is. And Frankie's been around other people, but we tried to start her in dance. It went terribly. Um, and she has cousins, you know, a little bit older than her, a little bit younger. Like there's a whole bunch around her age, but even this weekend watching with her cousins, she is not good at sharing and uh, no toddler really is, Mm. but there's something about being, you know, I always say I have two only children, you know, the kids are 10 years apart. Yeah. More or less. So they don't have to share toys. You know what I mean? Like they're interested in different things. So they both get their own personalized attention, which is good in some respects, Mm -hmm. but bad in others. You know, I grew up with, you know, two brothers, a brother and a sister. There was three of us all within, you know, four and a half years. Like you had to learn to work it out with other kids. Right. And so that's something that Frankie doesn't have. And, you know, she needs. I do not disagree. And again, it's it's hard. But I just have to continue to tell myself deep down inside that it is the right thing. And it's something that we all need to get there, so to speak. Yeah. And honestly, it's good for us to be doing it at two and a half rather than starting fresh at three year old preschool. Like she's ready for it developmentally, emotionally, like socially, educationally. Like it's time for her. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also know it's the right decision. I'm just uh, you know, what's funny. By Thursday, she did so much better when I dropped her off. And now I'm like, oh, good. We just had four days off. We're going to be starting from square one again tomorrow at 7 a.m. Which is interesting, whether funny or not funny, interesting nonetheless. Uh, Thursday was the uh, bill pay day. Yeah, so I guess we're in for another month at least. Yeah, we're locked in for four weeks. Yep, we'll see how it goes. Let's talk about the status quo. Okay. So Megan and I, I literally just came back from picking up the dog. want to make sure we say thank you to Bev, the dog breeder. She was very eager to take the bird dog, which may have been a mistake on her part, but they love the dog. They do. Much, much more than Megan. Yeah. Which is a whole different thing. But anyways, uh, so we figured that giving her to uh, Bev, the breeder, 
as I like to call her, was a much better option than like putting her in a cage for the weekend at some shitty, you know, Noah's Ark or whatever place we used to bring her to. And we used to do it all the time, but quite honestly, she always came back sick and they didn't really like her there very much. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what, too? It always warms my heart. Mac and I talk about it every time because when she goes and stays with Bev, that's her mom is there and like one of her brothers. Right. Yes. And there's something about that that like warms my heart. She's reunited. Yes. Like I'm like, oh, she's going home for the weekend. Yeah. Like we're spending time with family over the holiday weekend. So is the bird. I know. And I don't know if they like I don't know anything about dogs. That's why I suck at having one. But like, I don't know if. She remembers, but I, Mac and I were talking about it because he's like, do you think she remembers? And I'm like, I know the mother does. I'm a mother. I know that she knows <laughs> when Bernie comes home, you know, <laughs> that it's hers. <laughs> I mean, I, I would assume so. Again, I'm not, I'm not an animal psychologist. <laughs> I've watched a fair amount of David Attenborough narrated National Geographic. So I'm, I'm pretty sure the mother remembers. Yeah, I think so, too. So, anywho, let's talk about status quo. Okay. When is the status quo a good thing versus a bad thing? I think... This can be alcoholism, this can be life, this can be family, marriage, finances, anything. So I would say for a very long time, the status quo made me very uncomfortable. In what regards? Um, Like I always had to be moving or in the next direction or almost like needed some sort of drama, something to feed off of. Yeah, so is that status quo or is that like keeping up with the Joneses? No, I think it's status quo. I think I was uncomfortable in peace. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because I was so not in peace internally Ah. that I think if everything seemed to be going okay, I don't know if I was waiting for the next shoe to drop or if I just couldn't, I could never settle in and enjoy the status quo. Do you think the whole waiting for the other shoe to drop phenomenon is something specific to the alcoholic or the addict? I don't think it's specific to the alcoholic and the addict. I think a lot of people think like that. Hmm. I will say I think like that much less now through recovery. Mm hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, it does because, again, I've, you know, traveled that same path more or less, the recovery path, if you will. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop because I think to a certain extent I have almost preconditioned myself Hmm. to be like, you know, things can only be going so good for so long before the other shoe drops that's funny i think that that speaks to us as people too not just addicts and alcoholics like mm. i'm definitely glass half full and I you're am. yeah yeah i'm complete pessimist i don't trust anybody glass um, half empty i think now not even half empty glass like spilled on the floor making a mess i think now in my recovery it's not waiting for the other shoe to drop i don't know shoes dropping don't bother me as much anymore it's because you don't pick them up uh, yeah, I guess. But no, I think I'm 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 not really waiting for anything, if that makes sense. Status quo. Yeah. And now I think those status quo now is something that I love being at peace. Sometimes Chris likes to still add these new adventures to our life. Mm. And sometimes I just want to be like, can't we just have a week, a month or whatever? Where things just stay calm and the same. I do like calm and the same. However, 
I think now the status quo, though, can make me lazy. Does that make sense? Ah, yes. Nah, well, I don't like lazy. Okay. I like complacent. Yes, okay, all right. I feel good about complacent. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. I think the status quo is as dangerous sometimes for the addict and alcoholic. Hmm. If things are just kind of going along, going along, going along, I almost think that's just as dangerous, if not more, than things being rocky and all over the place. I agree. And so here's my thing, right? And we've said this on the show before, and I'm sure if you know anybody in recovery or whatever, it, I did not get sober for the status quo. I did not get sober to live comfortably. I did not get sober to barely make it anymore. Like, I want more. And interestingly enough for me, I think my alcoholism and my addiction, it's almost like a double-edged sword in the sense that I think the alcohol and the drugs at various points in time quieted the voices. Oh, definitely. I'm sure they did. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's why we all did it. Like, it, it was almost, and again, like, really nothing good came out of my abuse of alcohol or drugs other than my recovery, right? No, 100%. So now I'm like, well, I didn't get sober to blank. And sometimes I use that, you know. To get things that he wants that he really shouldn't have. I.e. manipulation. Yeah. Which is another alcoholic addict move. I know. We watch our daughter and she's like already the queen of it. Oh, absolutely. They were, (laughs) Frankie was trying to get uh, Pop-Pop's phone, Megan's father's phone. And she would go up to him and be like, Pop-Pop, and do like her little shimmy. And Tilts everybody's the head like, to the side oh, and smiles. She's so charming. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's manipulating. Yeah, and she's brilliant at it. The CIA does not call their operatives charming. They call them master manipulators. I say all the time, Frankie is going to be wildly successful. It's going to be very hard to be her parents. Yeah. And it's either going to be wildly successful as a stripper or the CEO of a Fortune you know, 100 company. It could go either way at this point. Although it might not be stripper because she didn't do too well at dance. No. So that makes me a proud father. Yes. (laughs) But she's, she's, uh, you know, two and a half years old. She's already quit something. So that doesn't make me a proud father. (laughs) What can I say? So anyway, so, you know, my recovery, I think to a certain extent, will not accept the status quo as a good thing. Right? I agree with that. I think, though, the one thing that recovery has given to me I agree in not accepting the status quo and Hmm. always wanting to strive for more but the one the biggest thing that my recovery has given me is patience in that and that's something that I always have and I think always will lack oh I just thought you were gonna say that you have and I was like you are the most impatient man I've ever met no see it's because you don't listen you don't allow me to speak my full point clearly I wasn't patient in that sense no you were not which leads me into my next point at at what juncture is the status quo okay for fucking 24 hours Like you were saying earlier, like sometimes I would just like to live in peace this week. Yes, I'm good with the slow, steady climb. 
I'm, I'm not. okay with that. I don't need something right now, which I always need it in my mm. addiction. In fact, that was my addiction. I need it to feel better right now. And the only way to do that was a drink. I need it attention right now and the only way to do that was a drink you know what I mean like I always needed something right then I could not wait I could not wait for an answer Mm -hmm. and now like I'm kind of more of the we'll get there when we get there so while working at it though I agree in very hard work you know what I mean right but I, I also agree in earning things I disagree in earning things I'd rather just call mumsy tell her to cut a check and let's move on It's funny, Chris in his first year of real estate, like he's done phenomenally well for the short time that he's been at it. (laughs) Take my balls out of your mouth, Mm -hmm. darling. Yes, they're that small. She can fit both of them (laughs) at the same same time. time. (laughs) And eat an ice cream cone. I was going to say, probably like a Tootsie Roll (laughs) or something. But his first year, you know, the first year is hard and he still did relatively well, but he made very little money. Like he could have made more working at the McDonald's. And... Part yeah, time. I think that's fair. Yeah, part time. Yeah. And I, I actually said to him, I was like, I'm going to be super honest with you right now. I'm actually happy because quick success would be horrendous for you. It would be your undoing. Uh, without question. So that's what I mean. I'm like good with the slow climb. Uh, well, I too am good with the slow climb. However, I don't know. I think there's... I just think that there's a lot of pieces that need to be put together on that slow climb journey. Um, Like right now, you know, I am quite literally burning the candle at both ends. I know, but how soon until you burn out? Is Is it necessary? For the short term, yes. For the long term, I don't think so. Which begs the question, ultimately, is there a better way? I don't know, because, you know, for a while when it was, you know, me working the two jobs, I would do that. I would work and I'd work and I'd work and I'd work as much as I possibly could. And then I'd hit a wall and things would hit a wall and I would fall apart. I think that's human nature, right? Absolutely. And then I would take a break and then I would do it again. And so I've learned, even though financially it would be better if I worked my second job every single week, I'm not going to be able to do that consistently or long term if that's what I do I'm better off doing every other week three weeks a month you know where I'm picking up the 50 hour work week especially right now when things are so insane at my full-time job like I know now's not the time to burn the candle at both ends full throttle or I'm not gonna make it that's because you're cut from a different cloth I don't think so dude I've got grit I don't know and when it comes to working I do you know that you can't even begin to dispute that even to be a pain in the ass you know I'm a hard worker see I, I really want to like take jabs at you right now but I'm quite frankly too tired okay yep mm. it's almost like your recovery you know like those first well 24 hours 48 hours 500 2000 6000 hours quite literally of recovery those first year or two are hard very. And there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of, you know, I, I don't want to say dwelling on your past, but a, a big part of getting over your past is, you know, looking into it and talking about it and talking through it with somebody who's been there before you. 
And so let me ask you this. When you first get sober, you know, mm. one of the big things to do, you know, you go to rehab, not everyone, but, you know, say that's what you do. And then it's an sure. intensive outpatient. And then the big thing is 90 and 90. And you push and push and push yourself to do, be involved in so many recovery aspects. You're working the steps. So, you know, you're doing a meeting every day, at least once a day, plus you're working with a sponsor, plus you're doing this. Does there come a point in your recovery that that burns you out? Oh, yeah. And that you need to kind of throttle it back a little bit so that you don't go off the deep end in that sense. So, yes. And again, I can only speak for this alcoholic. Yes, there is or was a point very early on. And I want to say it was probably somewhere around like that six or seven month mark that I was like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Like, this is not going to end well. Like, there there has to be something outside of this big book, this meeting, this sponsor. Right. And I think your recovery always has to come first. And well, see, so but that's the thing, But you have to be thing, able to balance right? it eventually. Well, that's it. And you have to realize, and I don't know if this ties into real life or if there's an alternative theme here, but, you know, the only reason that I got to that six or seven month mark or whatever was because I worked the program as it was laid out and, and sort of required for me. Yes. You know? So I think that's like almost that double-edged sword where I can look back on it now and say it's by far the only thing or reason that's gotten me to where I am is because I did that that intense work right up front. You know, I, I can say that I, I would love to have half-assed it. I wouldn't be here if I half-assed it. I agree. Do you think, though, that you can get to a point of status quo in your recovery that it then becomes dangerous? Yeah. Do you think that you're personally as invested in your recovery today as you should be? No. God, no. And so... Not even close. And But so, and I think that's where you have to think about, like, what your priorities are, what you're working towards. Because you can burn the candle at both ends, and you can work a bazillion hours a week, and you can you know, sell this house and get us into our beautiful dream home and all this stuff. But it doesn't really matter if you're not sober. No, it does not. So I think, you know, starting to refocus that too. That's one of the things like this week, I got to go to an in-person meeting last week and I already am. I know I'll be able to go to two this week. Now mm. that I have Frankie in daycare. You have Frankie in daycare? Yes. Now that well, Frankie's in daycare. That's interesting you take credit for that. Now that Frankie's in daycare, if I have a day off during the week, I can use that to go to a meeting. This week, I have two meetings I know I'm going to in person, and I'm doing lunch duty at Mac school. Like, I'm doing things that, like, feed me as a person, not just feed our bank account. Because although that's important, too, like, it, it's so important to be well-rounded. You know what I mean? And the status quo of just going to work every day, 50 hours a day, then coming home to do laundry and pack lunches and like that mundane status quo I think that you know I don't know it's not good for the soul if that makes sense you need to do things that keep you sharp in your recovery bond it to your kids in other ways bond it to your family he's looking at me like he has no idea what I'm talking about I I'm just saying I think this is where we are inherently different as people because mm -hmm. I would rather be a rich soulless motherfucker than do any of those things that you just described. And I would actually like to call him out on his bullshit. I'm never doing lunch duty. 
I didn't think you would. I mean, that's fine. That's not your thing. Like, I nope. understand that I'm responsible for all things school activities. Uh, no one loves Chris as much as this, or no one loves their family as much as Chris does. Like, if there was a yacht involved, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'd send you a postcard. <laughs> I thought you were going to name it after me. I would. Thanks, honey. I'd have one of the little, little yacht girls fill out the postcard for me. Yeah. But I don't know. I think in our life, in our status quo, because, you know, we can all get involved in making the donuts and day to day life is exhausting and mundane and all these things. I think we need to find things that feed our soul. And I know that sounds silly, but I think that's important because otherwise we'll be on our way to a next drink or like this summer. I honestly you're going to like laugh at me or whatever, but I eat so many uh-huh. sweets this summer. Ooh. And I know that sounds silly, but it was almost like compulsively. And I watched myself do it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is one step in the wrong direction. There's something wrong that needs fixing. Did you think, like, the next fruit roll-up or something was going to bring you closer to a drink? No, but it's almost like that same craving. Like, I felt that feeling of craving again. Mm. You know what I mean? And, you know, why does that come, right? It's not just because I like ice cream. It's because there's something missing, you know? And so where do I need to reshape my life? Where do I need to refocus so that I, you know, don't go down that path? Because today it may be ice cream and, you know, it's not great for the pant line, but it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. But tomorrow it could be a drink. Hmm. It's interesting. Yes, that's where I'm at. But I I actually, like, I feel like in a good place. I feel like I've, you know, reprioritized things in my head, you know, and made, like, positive changes in my life Mm -hmm. so that, you know, I can do those things. And it's funny because people talk about self-care, blah, 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 and that always annoys the shit out of me. Because I am the king of self-care. People are like, oh, you need self-care. You need self-care. Self-care is, like, not necessarily taking yourself to a freaking spa. You know what I mean? It's just doing things that feed your soul, whether that's listening to another podcast that gives you something that you need or inspires you. You know, doing something to inspire you. Mm. What you got over there? Bird dog feeds my soul, which is why this is like polar opposites, because you hate the bird dog. I do. But it feeds my soul. That's good. It fed itself like two pounds of hamburger tonight, (laughs) and I'm I'm not, (laughs) I already know how poorly that's going to end. I'm going to be stuck sliding through the shit again at 1.30 in the morning. See, we should all live life like bird dog. Bird dog feeds its soul regardless of what the fuck you feel. (laughs) Bird dog gives zero fucks. Yeah. I think that's a great way to live. I don't. Until you have cardiac arrest. (laughs) And then there's no more feeding the soul. (laughs) All right. I don't know. Anyway, so I I don't know. Maybe that was a good conversation. It was just something that I was thinking about. And where are you at with the status quo? I already told you where I was at. You don't listen. I did listen. You don't listen. I think, uh, you know, where am I at with the status quo is I need to be, I don't know, more vocal with. I think with you, because I think that, you know, as much as it pains me to say this, and maybe it's because you have more practice with the thousands of men and the various marriages, that you just, you do this better than I do. I guess. I mean, it's one way to look at it. Do what better than you do? I mean, if you're going to say it, why don't we just, you know, lay it all out there? Do you want to do a whole list of things I do better? 
Well, you can go there if no, you like. No, I'm just kidding, Chris. I don't think the list is as <laughs> long and distinguished as you'd like it to be. This I'm totally joking. Organization is certainly not on that list. No, but it's funny. We just sat down here Cooking. and I told you all these random Cleaning. things about like where I am with it status quo and like obviously this has been stuff that's like running space in my mind that I've been thinking about that I've been like been on this personal journey towards blah 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 but again we don't communicate that no you know like that first time that you're hearing me say any of these things is sitting right in this room which is again I mean this room has served its purpose one way or another you know it's therapeutic for us it's therapeutic for other people we are not the only individuals going through a lot of what we talk about on a daily basis, right? Yeah. Um, and by all means, you know, if you want to bounce stuff off of us or if you're feeling some sort of way about something, shoot us an email. So I married an alcoholic at gmail.com. I, we'd be happy to talk about it unless you don't want us to talk about it. We will keep it private as well. Absolutely. Send us ideas. Send us, you know, we'd love to have more people on the show just sharing their story. Yeah, that's something we need to do better at. I think that helps us too, you know? Yeah, absolutely, because it gives us different perspectives. Nine out of ten times, the only perspectives that you're going to get are yours, mine, and occasionally Auntie Gay P's. That's right. Which are still, you know, three great perspectives. However, we are three assholes on a spinning orb of eight billion people. True story. You know? Oh, I'm glad to be with you assholes, though. Fuck you. <laughs> All right, darling, what else you got? I don't know. I think I'm, that conversation spent me. I'm going to drink this NyQuil, wash my ass, and go to bed. Yeah, it's time. Good idea, right? Yep. Back to making the donuts tomorrow. Mmm, the donuts. Mm. All right, darling, say goodnight. Goodnight. I'm Megan, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. Cut off your pets' privates. And please, if you are struggling in any way, put your hand up, reach out, ask for help. So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com.